Hey, Jen, want to talk some more about talking to our kids about sex? Uh, I think I have some dishes to wash. Great. Today we're going to discuss talking with your kids about sex, part two. So stay tuned as we suggest specific conversations and discussions that you should be having as your kids reach certain age milestones. Welcome to the Intimate Covenant Podcast, providing biblical teaching and resources to help married couples achieve a fuller relationship and an extraordinary sex life. For more information about Intimate Covenant, please visit our website at IntimateCovenant.com. Here are your hosts, Matt and Jen Schmidt. Welcome to the podcast where we believe the Bible and great married sex both belong on your kitchen table. That's right. We're talking about holy, covenant-bound, intimate relationships with hot sex. We're Matt and Jen, founders of Intimate Covenant. We've been married to each other for 23 years. And through our struggles and by following God's plan, we found a marriage relationship that is solid, intimate, and hot. We're not licensed therapists, but we speak from a place of vulnerability and experience. I'm a veterinary specialist during the day, and Jen is my amazing wife and super mom to our four kids. We've been mentoring and teaching about marriage for so long, and Intimate Covenant is our organized effort to serve the marriages that we have been blessed to impact. We want to provide biblical perspective to marriage so that you can have a deeper relationship and an extraordinary sex life. We offer group Bible studies, private couples coaching, premarital counseling, intensive weekend seminars, an annual marriage retreat, and now a podcast. Today on the podcast, we're talking about talking with your kids about sex. Last week, we discussed the importance of educating your children about sex throughout their entire lives and also discussed confronting your own hang-ups with your own sexuality as being an important first step in being able to talk to your kids about sex. But like we talked about, you don't just send your kids off into the world with the talk about math, right? (laughs) They would love that. One math lesson and you're done. And you're done. Uh, That doesn't work. So why would we do the same with that sacred but immensely powerful gift of sexuality? So today, we're going to talk about important ideas to be covering as your children reach certain age milestones. Now, for sure, and certainly uh, we want to be clear about the fact that this is not a one-size-fits-all plan. Only you know your child and what they can or can't understand or handle at a certain age. But I would venture and suggest, strongly suggest, that your child can probably understand far more than what we are often willing to share about their sexuality. So I'm going to challenge you on that point. Yes, this is not a one-size-all-fits plan, but you should push yourself and stretch yourself and stretch your children uh, as well. All right. So Matt, if we break up our children's um, maturity level into different groups... Maybe that'll be the best way to go about this. So let's talk about what should we be teaching our children from the time they're born through those early preschool years. Well, I think as as we even suggested last week at the end of the podcast, 
this is a good time for us to start getting comfortable about talking about sex. Right. Uh, we can talk about body parts with our uh, two-year-old in the bathtub uh, comfortably because they don't have any of the shame that we might associate with sexual body parts. So we can have them learn how to name their penis just as easily as we can have them name their elbow. And right. to them, they don't see any significant difference. Now we might, and there's no, but there's no reason for us to treat that any differently, especially when we're talking about with a two-year-old. Right. So at this young age, they don't, they don't, won't necessarily pick up on your um, uncomfortableness. So this is a great time to really start working on just even getting comfortable with the names of body parts. And when we talk about teaching your children to name body parts, we are imploring you to use correct terminology. Use the proper names or common names of body parts. Don't make up silly little names. Don't talk about a wee-wee. Don't talk about things like that. Don't, don't even necessarily just refer to it as your little girl parts or your private parts. Name those body parts. Again, episode two, we really went into that. Come to our retreat where we're going to make sure you know the names of your own body parts. There you go. If, if you're uncomfortable saying the word penis or, or vulva. vulva, then this is a good time to start breaking out of that uncomfortable level. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's a time to share that with your child and to start becoming comfortable with that um, as you go. Right. And this is a good time at this stage in their development to start helping them to see the differences between boys and girls. If you uh, have um, multiple, the both genders of your of children in your family, then siblings can really help with this. Obviously, at a certain age, you're going to start um, making sure that everybody has their own privacy. But when they're little, uh, when they're helping change little brother's diaper, um, certainly a good time to point out to, to your daughters that, yes, boys have penises. They look different than girls' vulvas. And there's no shame in that. That's just a simple God-given difference. So help them name those body parts and help them start seeing the difference between boys and girls. The, and Sorry, ahead, this is also a good age to start teaching cultural norms. Yeah. So what is what is acceptable in public? Yes, everyone has a penis, uh, every boy has a penis. <laughs> not everybody. Sorry, every boy has a penis, but not everybody. Not every boy walks around showing their penis to everyone. So um, this is a good time to start teaching them cultural norms, like wearing clothing in public. Right. And uh, just like it's appropriate to wear clothing in public, it's also not appropriate to touch your uh, penis in public or to expose it to other people in public. That's just something that we sort of innately normally teach our kids, but that's something that having a conversation about that uh, can be helpful and, uh, again, to help, help to normalize these conversations about sexuality. Right. Teach your children that they do have parts of their body that are private, and therefore there are a very small number of people who can see and touch your child's private parts. That should be mommy, daddy, if mommy and daddy are both safe people, and a doctor. 
maybe a grandparent, if grandparents are intimately acquainted with your children, but keep that number very small. Your children need to understand that that there are parts of their body that are not accessible to most people in their lives. And, and that they have a right to keep those things private, uh, no matter who's asking. They, they always right. have the right to say no. Um, and they need to know who the, who the safe people are um, that they can share those things with. Right. So that's pretty much where we're, you know, advising you go with the birth through preschool. I mean, again, just like everything else in their lives at this point, it's all about teaching naming and understanding basic differences. But when we move into grade school, now we're dealing with a little bit more mature brains. And so it's time to to up your game. Don't just stop (laughs) at the naming. You're not done just because you named it. Right. So now it's time to start preparing them for outside influences. Sadly, and this just astounds me, but sadly, the average age of the first exposure to porn is 10 years old. How sad. Right. So you had better be preparing your children for exposure to porn before the age of 10. I know that's hard to hear, and it's not something we really want to think about. Um, So we have some specific ways to kind of encourage you to prepare your children to... to Well, and I I think that's key. You're using the word prepare, and I think that's key in all of these discussions. Yeah. That you need to be ahead of the game. Don't wait until your kids are coming to you with questions about things that they have seen or heard. They need to be prepared so that they have a context in which to place those experiences and so that they know that you are the one to come to to help make sense of those experiences and things that they have seen or heard. Right. In this digital age, I'm, I know we all would like to, to believe that we could raise our children without having ever seen porn. It's not going to happen in this digital age. So no. prepare them. Right. You you need to make sure you've had that discussion about pornography before they've ever seen pornography. Right. So a really great source to help lead you in that discussion is a book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. There's a actually a junior version of that book as well um, that you can read with your young preschoolers. Good Pictures, Bad Pictures is designed to be read with your grade school children, read it and read it and read it again. The basic message of that book is that you need to teach your children that they will not get in trouble for seeing porn. Assure them that they will not get in trouble. Most children first see porn, not because they're seeking it, because they don't even know yet. But unfortunately, that porn is going to be to infiltrate so many of the devices that our children have their hands on. So assure them that they're not going to get in trouble for seeing porn, but that the minute they do, they should turn, run, and tell. That's the three-step message of the book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Really great book. Highly recommend for every parent. Um, but, But be sure and teach them what to do about that. Good. This is also the age that we you should start introducing the idea of sex in marriage. Yeah. That it is a spe- yeah yeah it's a special gift um, from God for mommies and daddies. Um, teach them, of course, that it is something that's private, but never neglect to teach your children 
that sex is pleasurable. If your child's education about sex does not include the idea of pleasure, then you've really missed the boat. Absolutely. I think that's part of what's lacking in sex education, even in high schools. We talk about, you know, boys get erections and wet dreams and girls get periods and pregnant. Um, and we leave out the fact that sex is pleasurable and that it, it should be contained in a relationship context. Right. It is that special treasured gift from God. And he has a great plan for sex. God loves sex. Right. It's, it's a little bit at this age, it's, allowed, you're, it's certainly supposed to be mysterious to some extent. Right. And, but it shouldn't be scary. No, it you should be teach mysterious. That it's a special relationship, a special thing that mommies and daddies do uh, behind closed doors. And, yes, and but that mommy and daddy enjoy doing it. Absolutely, right. It doesn't need to be scary because, especially if you start talking about the mechanics of a penis going into a vagina, that could sound a little bit scary, depending <laughs> right. on which side of the equation you are. Um, but they need to know that it is pleasurable. Right. Um, it's also the time to start identifying that it is how babies are made. That um, sex is the the bringing together of uh, a man and a woman, and that coming together is what um, creates a baby. Right. We like to explain that it's part a special part of daddy's body and a special part of mommy's body comes together, and that God puts those two parts together and creates a baby. Um, and that that baby is carried inside of a very special little room inside of a mommy's body called the womb. Get it? It rhymes. Room and womb. <laughs> Kids like rhyming words. And that when it comes time, that the, the baby lives inside of that special room and it grows. And when it comes time, it comes out into the world through the birth canal. Sometimes has to be helped out by surgery, but mostly God's plan is for that baby to come out through the birth canal and that that baby gets fed a special milk from the mommy's breasts, um, all special and wonderful and normal things. So you need to be teaching your children about babies and how they're made and, and what part sex plays in that. Um, and this is also the time that you need to start explaining a menstrual cycle. This is not something you just tell girls. Boys need to That's know about this too. That is important. Boys need to understand about a menstrual cycle. Whether they have sisters or not, boys need to know about this too. Right. And so a very basic understanding of, of a menstrual cycle in the grade school years. Um, I like to tell our girls that there is, a again, a special room within a woman's body that's designed to, to house a baby. It's not going to always have a baby in there, though. So sometimes that room needs to get cleaned out. And that's exactly what a menstrual cycle, a period is. It's just uh, God's way of cleaning out that room and getting it ready um, for the time when when a baby is going to be inside of that. So, um, so just, I think, I yeah, think overall with grade school, it, it's, a, it's a transition from talking about external anatomy to mm -hmm. internal anatomy. You, you can't explain to a toddler something that they can't see. So, right. They have no right. understanding of internal anatomy. But by grade school, they're ready to start understanding that. So, Matt, after the break, let's then move into uh, our favorite years, the awkwardness of middle school and high school. It's going to be awkward. <laughs> 
Intimate Covenant hosts an annual retreat for married couples to provide a space for focused instruction and relaxed time with your spouse. Whether your marriage is good, great, or struggling, our purpose is to promote godly marital intimacy in all realms of your relationship, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. This year, our retreat is being hosted at the beautiful Houston City Place Marriott at Springwoods Village in Spring, Texas. For y'all that ain't from around here, that's just north of Houston. The date is September 24th through the 26th, Thursday evening through Saturday afternoon. Our theme this year is Redeeming an Intimate Covenant. We're going to cover topics like building oneness in all aspects of your relationship, igniting sexual desire, overcoming emotional barriers like trauma or betrayal, and tips to make married sex great again. You can find more information and register at our website, intimatecovenant.com. You'll find registration options including one or two nights at the Venue Hotel, or this year we're offering a more affordable option, day passes for those that prefer not to spend the night at the hotel. But time is running out, so register soon. We really hope you'll join us. All right, welcome back. So Matt, middle school, it's just awkward. Just awkward in every single way. Um, But this is important at this age to try to avoid highlighting the awkwardness of sexuality. Now, can sexuality be awkward? Yes, of course it can, and it often is. But um, this is an important time to try to extend grace as these kids are just trying to get comfortable in their own skin again. So many crazy things are happening internally, externally, hormonally, relationally. Everything is changing. It's just so uncomfortable and awkward. But it's important to be proactively talking to these kids about the changes that they're going to be seeing. Again, stay ahead of the curve. You need to inform these kids and prepare them, not be reacting to what's happening and what they're experiencing. So talk to them proactively about what they're going to see externally and about the feelings that they're going to be experiencing. Uh, Don't neglect that uh, talking just about the physical changes if you don't talk to them about all of these strange new feelings that they're going to have that involve sexuality. Right. It's scary when our kids start to have sexual desire, and we don't want to acknowledge that. But you must stay ahead of this. You must prepare them for it, because if they don't know what to do with those feelings, if they don't know where those feelings are coming from, you're going to end up with children Uh, that don't understand their sexual desire and what to do with it. And that is a recipe for disaster. Right. So at this age, if you've not already done so, you should now fully explain a menstrual cycle, all the ins and outs of that. Again, there's several great book sources that you can use with diagrams to help explain this. Um, But don't make this just a book conversation. Be talking to to them about this. And both boys and girls need to understand one another's bodies. Um, This is a time to explain that your kids are going to be growing um, body hair, pubic hair. They're going to have different body odors. Hmm. Breast will be developing. All those external changes also are, like Matt was saying, they're signifying internal changes. Lots and lots of hormonal changes going on, which means 
mood swings, lots and lots of mood swings. Prepare your children ahead of time so that when they're going through these things, they don't feel like they're crazy. It helps everybody to just navigate the waters a little bit more easily. But like Matt was saying also, this is the time if you are seeing any amount of external changes, you can be assured that sexual desire and attraction is blossoming within your child. So you don't ask the question, are you attracted to somebody? (laughs) Because the answer is yes, they are. Right. But it's important, I think, to to help shape for them that attraction and desire are natural. Absolutely. And they are good. Uh, but they also must be understood. Uh, so often we're tempted to just kind of squash that. Well, uh, you don't need to be talking to boys or you don't need to be uh, chasing the girls, uh, you know, whatever. But but. I don't think that's the right approach. You can't sanctify desire by squashing it. You can't uh, make something holy by just ignoring it. Right. Desire is from God and therefore must be used to glorify him. There is a proper fulfillment for desire. So I, I think it all comes back even, we don't even as adults often understand the purpose for sexual desire. We need to have an understanding that includes that our sexual desire is put there to help draw us towards something that's bigger than ourselves. That's true um, in our lives with our spouses, but that's also true um, in God. God put sexual desire in us to draw us to something that's bigger than ourselves. Ultimately, all of our desires will be fulfilled through Him. Uh, And that's where our sexual desire really should be pointing us. But this is a time for them, your children, to start acknowledging that they have desire, but also to help prepare them for what to do with that desire. Right. And they're going to best understand that if they can be having conversations with you, not just their peers about which boy or girl is cute, but they need to be having conversations with you about why they feel attracted to somebody and ultimately what the point of that is. Yeah, exactly right. You, you can uh, really help prepare your kids and you can really start enjoying these conversations um, as they start to reach this age, as they start to kind of begin to take on some more adult characteristics and real, um, you, you can have real conversations with them. Uh, but these are times to start asking some big questions like, well, what do the kids at school say about sex? Yeah, the question is not, are the kids at school talking about sex? Because the answer is yes. You need to ask, what do they say about sex? Ask those open-ended questions. Don't ask yes or no questions. So what have you heard about porn? Not do your friend, are your friends looking at porn? What do your friends say about pornography? Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are all, I think, the kind of questions you need to be asking. You can't wait for your kids at this age to ask the questions. They're not going to ask the questions at this age. Right. You've got to be the one to stimulate these conversations and bring them up and be ready to have um, uh, these conversations anywhere and everywhere. This is also the age where your kids are going to be involved in about 14 different extracurricular activities. (laughs) Lots of time in the car. (laughs) They will be trapped in the car with you for extended periods of time. Do not 
let them plug in their headphones every time and just tune you out. Right. I've had some great conversations about deep, deep topic topics. Uh, moms of boys, I'm going to give you a little pro gamer tip here. Boys talk best when they are not making direct eye contact. Have them sitting beside you in the car. You're both looking out the window as you're driving. You are going to get more an honest, deep, heart-to-heart conversations with your boys when they are not forced to look straight into your eyes. And pro gamer tip two, wives, this is also something that's effective for having conversation with your husband, just by the way, although... That's not the point of this this talk. So today. don't wait to be bringing. Don't wait for them to be bringing these conversations up. You bring these conversations up with them. So that kind of brings us then into high school, and and those deep conversations you'll be having. And hey, here's the good news about high school: when your kids get to this age, you're done teaching them. You are. That is scary. That's the ironic thing about the fact that sex ed, as it's so-called, is saved for high school curriculum. Your kids already know more than the teacher uh, of sex ed (laughs) by that point. So that's pretty much a useless endeavor. Um, You're you're you're, done with teaching all the basics by this point. Your kids should already be prepared and already know the anatomy, how it all works, what the names are. Uh, and they should even have some deeper understanding about desire. Your job at this point is to equip your children to make good choices. So that comes from starting to ask your kids bigger questions like, well, what do you think? When, mm-hmm. you're, when you see something on TV, when you hear a song on the radio together, when you uh, see someone at the mall or whatever it might be when you're talking about your your kids and their relationships always challenge them what do you think and, and what what biblical principles apply to this scenario this situation that's not not just true in sexuality but um, particularly as as a to- relates to the topic today what what your kids think and challenging them to actually think and make their own decisions about uh, what they're seeing and experiencing and what they're witnessing their friends doing, uh, those are important places to start training them to be adults. Because your right. job as a parent is not to raise good kids. Right. Your job is to raise good adults. Well, and along with that, Matt, when you ask those questions, don't be afraid of their answers. Right. They are in training still. So they're not going to have the perfectly f- formed, you know, they can give you the book and verse and uh, chapter, book, chapter and verse answer that you might think you, you know, would ideally want. They're not there yet. Don't be afraid of your kids not having the perfect right answer. Don't be afraid. Help them. Don't be afraid of them having the wrong perspective because they have a lot of influencers. You're not the only one who's influencing them. And certainly at this age, you're not the only one influencing them. They have friends and other resources that they are trying to glean information from. But you've got to still be involved in that process. You've got to still be involved in having the conversations. You've got to still be involved in helping to shape their understanding of the world and the way that God's plan applies to their lives. Right. And I think, Matt, you said this earlier, but I huge, huge place of influence for our children at, at the high, in the high school years is when you're willing to share your own experiences. And this is scary for a lot of mm-hmm, us. Mm-hmm. 
If you've misused your sexuality, own it. Invite them into your world to then learn the lessons that you learned. Don't freak out about this. This is not giving them permission to commit the same mistakes that you made. But rather, rather, this is creating authenticity. It is creating a place of trust. Like Matt said earlier, credibility comes from authenticity. Mm-hmm. So it's okay for them to realize that you are not perfect. They don't believe that anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Based on the, the way that your, your kids often want to talk to you and, and uh, give you a hard time, they, they don't believe you're perfect. That's the truth. And you're not going to shock them by revealing that you're not perfect. Right. Um, in fact, they already assume you're not perfect at this age. All right. So... Um, again, um, so much more covered we covered a lot say. of ground, but man, there's so many more details we could add to this. Um, but, uh, we'll, we'll have to leave it there for, for this time. Um, let's wrap this up, um, in three main points. First of all, sex education begins with language and anatomy at a very early, early age. Uh, and this is the time to start getting yourself comfortable with this ongoing conversation. Uh, Number two, prepare your child for outside influences before they are likely to be exposed because a reactive response is never better than a proactive plan. I just made that up and that's good good alliteration and everything. Wow. All right. Let me say it again. A reactive response is never better than a proactive plan. Number three, ultimately, your job is to transition from teaching to equipping. Mm-hmm. And that means establishing yourself as a safe and reliable place to share and to discuss instead of a place for shame and judgment. And I'll just add this, Matt. A very wise woman said to me when our children were still very young that my job as a mom was to listen to all the little things. And believe me, there's a thousand little things that they want to stand and tell you while you're in the middle of cooking dinner. But when you listen to those little things over and over and over again, one day, then they're going to tell you the big things. That's exactly right. You've got to make time for this and, uh, and be available. And uh, d- dismissing your kids um, is not going to cause them to believe that you are a safe place uh, to be trusted. All right, that's all we got today. We certainly want to continue to invite your feedback. Uh, if we miss something, if you like something, if you don't like something, um, <laughs> if you have suggestions for future topics uh, or questions you'd like us to answer, send us an email, podcast at intimatecovenant.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, also, certainly we would appreciate it if you would subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast outlet. And until next time, keep striving and don't settle. Thanks for listening to the Intimate Covenant Podcast. Please send your comments, questions, and suggestions to our email inbox, podcast at intimatecovenant.com. For more information about Intimate Covenant, please visit our website, intimatecovenant.com. Join our online community, find more resources, and learn about upcoming events to help you and your marriage journey toward a fuller relationship and an extraordinary sex life.